Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's about to get real with the MTV original reality TV star OGs, John and Beth, as they chat with great guests to discuss reality TV, music, pop culture, and real world life. Pick up your phone and go to wherever you get your podcasts. Search for Getting Real with John and Beth. Turn it up. Getting Real starts now. Hey, Beth, what's going on? I've got struggles just like everybody else. <laughs> what, are you strugg- what are you struggling with? Everything. I'm just not able to balance everything. I end up staying up late at night. And then the next day, I'm like super tired. If I don't get eight hours of sleep, forget it. Well, that's everybody. I can't, I can't function the next day. Oh, that's not true. I have friends that sleep two or three hours a day. And by the way, they're some of the most successful people I know. Well, they're sleeping. And I'm like, how do you do that? I can't do that. I don't know. <laughs> Well, our super awesome guest today is actually still doing what he was doing 30 years ago, plus much, much more, of course. And I'm super excited to have just kind of reconnected and remained in touch on social media, really is how I, I, I reconnected with from the San Francisco real world, a true OG, one season <laughs> after us. This is Judd Winnick, everybody. Welcome to Getting Real. Hey, y'all. Hey, Beth. Hey, John. Thanks for having me on. Really, Man, seriously, this is, this is fun. Really, cool. there's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. I mean, this is so know. exciting. I mean, when is the last time it's been decades since <laughs> I've seen you? When is the last um, time we've seen each other? I know when the last time we've seen each other is. Judd, do you have an idea? What's it? Was it? Was it at? We had one of the reunions, which mm-hmm. was it 20 years ago? What was it like the? I'm trying to remember. First reunion, Pam couldn't make it. Second reunion, she could. Yeah, was was it that big one? Was it the? Big one where there was like a little bit of a strike that went on. The scaffolding. Was that the last time? The scaffolding. Yeah, you remember that? Yeah, yeah. We wouldn't take the on the scaffolding until they paid us more or something. Yeah, and and I think some of the older folks, which was us, was like, whatever you kids want to do is fine. It's like, you know, it's like whatever, whatever you want to do. I forget which one of the, one of the gentlemen from one of the latter shows, like, we don't do this at all. Look, I just, I just spoke with Buddy. We've got three kegs coming to my place. We can be there in an hour. We can have our own reunion. And I think some of us older folks were just shaking our heads like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Like, yeah. like this, this is not how it's like, we're already here. It's not, <laughs> it's not how it like, you know, this, we're not going on strike y'all. I um, can't remember the, the, the chronological order, but I remember vividly one of my biggest memories of you, Judd is, yeah. is also one of my largest memories of Beth. There was a time where college and universities were bringing real world cast members to their campus for lectures or campus events. 
and mm-hmm. the University of Evansville, Indiana, which was only 40 minutes from my home in Owensboro, Kentucky, brought the three of us in. And this might've been like pre-cell phone day. I didn't have a cell phone until 1998. And so I can't remember, right. but I just remember going, well, I want to connect with, with Beth actually came to my home and we traveled to Evansville and I thought, where are we going to meet Judd? I want to, I want to connect with Judd before the event. And I thought, I know there's an olive garden in front of the mall. And the reason I knew that was because we used to take our dates there in high school for homecoming. <laughs> we met at the Olive Garden in Evansville, Indiana. And then we did the college event. Do you remember that? I do now. Oh my God. Like, okay. We gotta, <laughs> no, no. We, well, no, 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 no. We got to reset the scene for the gang here. Different okay. folks listening. So okay. this is about 29 years ago, right? This, this is like, this is, no, seriously. I mean, this is like 95, uh, maybe 96. Okay. Mm-hmm. So like tw- 26, 27 years ago. Okay. And which things were like kind of blurry then. And I was, I was doing like a lot of college lecturing and like, yes, I'd forgotten we got to do that. God, I'd not thought about that. And, and but I again, remember, I it was a, it was a really long time ago. It was, it we was forever say, ago. We're so old now. We can say things like 25 years ago. We blanched, but like, yeah. oh no, it was, it was a very, yeah. Oh yeah. gosh. Yeah. I wasn't even 20 years old when I did the real world, but I walked in. Right. It's so funny to say, I walked into the Olive Garden and Judd was there. And this is what I said to you, Judd, you don't look like yourself. And your response was iconic. You said, well, who does? And I thought, this is the funniest guy I've ever met. Like he's so witty and quick and well, who does? Anyway, it should be noted. It should be noted that you're tall and I am not, nor is anyone who was on Real World San Francisco. We're all like at actor height. So like on the smallish, but photogenic side, I think, I think actually Mo, I think Muhammad actually threw us off a bit. Mo looks big. Like he looks like a big dude, but he's not, you know, he's, he's like maybe tipping five, 10, maybe, you know, I'm, I'm just five, five, eight ish. Rachel and Pedro, you could probably fit in a shoebox. Like we're little people. And John, you were larger than life, my friend. So when you saw me, the first thing you thought like, who's this, who's this little dude? You know, I'm sure. I don't know. Your hair was shorter. I mean, I just, I'm just like, Judd, you don't look like yourself. Well, who does? I'm like, I'm, I'm perplexed with that response anyway. I know I have a picture. <laughs> I have a picture of us from that event. And for, yeah. for whatever reason, producer was there, Billy Rainey, who <laughs> worked on The Real World was there. And I was like, why is he filming this? I don't even remember oh, why he was filming it, but it was why, being what, filmed. Um, was for there? one. Okay. Well, Billy, Billy was one of the greatest. You know, and Billy, okay, for you, for y'all, Billy wasn't producer. Billy was a sound guy. Right. Okay. Oh, got it. Mean, okay. Well, he's a producer now. Producer I think the now. Of course. Yes. But like, like, no, 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 no. Like, Matt Kunitz, the creator of Fear Factor, is not Matt Kunitz, the creator of Fear Factor. Matt Kunitz was the guy we called every day and beat up on because he was the only person we spoke to directly <laughs> was. and was around our age and we were really abusive. Yeah. And Billy was the greatest because he was the funniest and he was Billy was the sound guy who we really, really liked. Judd, you um, want to know something crazy? Shoot. Billy, Billy Rainey teaches a film class at the Nashville Film Institute calls me a few weeks ago and says, my students have a project to make a music video and I want them to make a music video to a John Glenn song. <laughs> Last week, I shot a music video with Billy Rainey supervising his film students making my video. That's amazing. Oh my gosh, oh, I can't wait to see it. I love it. That's like, so that's crazy. So, that's so great. I mean, it's like, that's the tiniest of worlds coming together and not so tiny. Man. And, uh, yeah, and I heard Billy was teaching. That's great. Billy, I swear, <laughs> I don't even want to disparage Billy by saying like Billy, the sound guy is now producer. One of one of our favorite people easily while doing the show, like the one yeah. 
there was like, you know, you know, and I don't know who's caring to hear any of this besides the three of us. We are literally like catching up. Um, right. But Billy was like, like a guy we talked about with like, you know, he was talking to Pam and Rachel about like Melrose Place and 90210, you know, TV shows, pop culture, like Beastie Boys, um, uh, the new Beastie Boys album came out while we were on the show and Billy and I are talking about it. Got so far that Billy turns to look to George Fisher and Bob Fisher like, are we cool with this? Am I crossing the line? It's like, it's fine. Go ahead. Like we were just talking music. It was the best. It was the best. And I guess that's something people don't realize how much the crew are really part of the experience. Like these people that you live with for six months who you know nothing about at all, but you see them every day. You interact with them every day. You have conversations which aren't about anything every day, but they are very much a part of the experience, which was, was interesting for us considering how, how very serious our season got, how very important our season got. And so many people who worked on our show were a part of that too. You know, they were right there with us. They were right there, you know, when Pedro and Sean started dating or when they had their commitment ceremony. Pe uh, when Pedro Zamora and Sean Sasser had their commitment ceremony, George Vashore and Bob Fisher gave a, gave a pep talk to the crew, which is a pep talk slash warning on the day they're going to film it. Like told them, it's like, okay, big day couple of rules. One, no crying. Nobody cries. Okay. No crying. We're, we are documenting this. We're not a part of this and no hugging anybody. I don't want you hugging anybody. It's like, we are documenting this. George actually knew like how emotional this whole day was going to be maybe in a way, like more so than even we did. Cause we're like busy and like making food or having fun. But George like, and sure enough, and like Billy was one of the first people who told us like, and for those listening at home, I'm going to pantomime a guy holding a boom mic. So Billy's there is like, I'm, I'm like, I'm holding the boom mic and I'm watching them and like tears are coming down. I'm starting to cry and I'm like wiping my face with arm, but I can't move the boom mic too much. We're all, we're like, it was just, you know, it's one of those mm. things. So, so the crew, like there, there are people as well, you know, and we've kept in touch with them, yeah. you know, as well as like, you know, people we lived with and did the show with. So there. Now, when we ended our real world experience, I mean, most of us just like, I don't know. Like I didn't get along with pretty much anybody from my season. And then I, and then I look at the San Francisco and, and, and you guys, I mean, Judd, I mean, you fell in love. You had yeah. this special relationship with, with Pedro. You walked away from that experience with so much. Yes. What, uh, yeah. what do you think were the most important things that you got from your season being on the real world? I think Pam and I can probably say more than just about anyone who's like, you know, done the show is that, you know, it's literally changed our lives. The word literally is thrown around a lot, but it literally changed our lives just about in every way. You know, I mean, pulling back, I was just, I did it for most of the reasons that we all did it. Most of us, you know, we thought it'd be fun. It, we get to be, we get to be on TV and be a bit famous and that's going to be cool it could be kind of stupid. I could come off kind of stupid. I'm willing to roll the dice. And everybody, mostly, we can get at it later. Mostly everyone who does the show is a, is you have to be self-important enough, you know, a li little bit of an egotist, a little bit of a narcissist enough to say like, yeah, I'm not an actor or have any like could, could be considered entertainment skills, but I am entertaining enough that I am going to wander around and people are going to film me. And, and that's going to be worth it. You know, <laughs> I'm that I'm that important. Almost about 98% of us who do it have to have at least that much in. Them. Of course it's like, you know, any, yeah, no, like anyone runs for president. It's got to be a little bit like 
of a gigantic narcissist they feel they can be the you know the leader of the free world i mean let's face it i'm a lead singer there there's i mean i'm a lead singer i like the sound of my own voice Mm -hmm. beth loves to be in front of the camera she she is photogenic she's a still remains a tv star and she's just you know, all the time in the entertainment business. I mean, we, we love the attention and just don't pretend we don't. We dig being in front of people. We dig being, <laughs> you know, like the ones that people are listening to for sure. And, uh, and that's, and I got honestly, that's what it was supposed to be for me. And then, and then this crazy thing happened, you know, and then, you know, uh, we met Pedro and immediately it was the dynamic completely changed. Like, it's just going to be the stupid thing I'm going to do, which, you know, right away, we became friends and right away I understood how important this was to him. And he wasn't doing it to do a stupid television show and be a little bit famous. You know, he had, you know, you can call it an agenda, but it's not even, it's not even fair. Like he had a mission. He wanted people to see what it was going to be like for someone who was living with AIDS to show what they really, what his life was really like. And it became important to me, us to help him do that, you know, he quickly became a little brother who I was going to look out for because as savvy as he, as he was in a lot of ways, it was a lot of ways he was still like this 22-year-old kid who never left home before. And uh, and I was TV savvy and I was just going to make sure that here and there that we were going to we were going to make sure everything was being kept as honest as possible and by looking out for him. And that became something different. And oh, and by the way, while this was happening, I was falling in love with Pam. <laughs> you know, didn't expect that. So by the time... You know, by the time we'd moved out, uh, Pam and I were not dating. I was crazy go nuts for her. And Pedro, we had felt, this is before the show had aired, we felt that he had accomplished this incredible thing. An interesting story, which I should let Pam tell, but maybe we'll let her tell it again. And she actually did, it was only a couple of years ago where she finally put it together or actually explained it. We, okay, so folks, when you finish the show, you have a big old rap party because it is a television show, even though you're just living in a house. So you have a big old rap party. The crew finally puts down their cameras. Everyone drinks, eats, be merry. And then you, I don't know if y'all did, but we watched the first two episodes. We did. Uh, so yeah, so it's fine. It's a blast. It's, you know, and it finally becomes your life is now a television show. And you lose your goddamn mind. So we watched it and it was, it was great. And when we had finished watching the first two episodes, Pam, I'm not getting upset when I tell a story. Pam was hysterically crying. And uh, it was only a couple of years ago that she, honestly, we've lived together for, you know, we're coming up on 30 years. It was only a couple of years ago that she like understood and explained what it was. She cried because it was such a sense of relief because the first two episodes were so much about Pedro and she was relieved because they got it right. Mm. And she felt they were being honest with him and she felt like it's going to be okay mm. that, that he's going to get his story out there. And it's, you know, it's, it's going to be good. It's going to be great. And she said she was so scared what they were going to do to him that we trusted her, but we didn't know until actually seeing it and actually seeing it. And it was so great. It was so great. You know, he, he was funny. He was him. He was handsome. He was telling his story and it was great. And she said it was just this bizarre sense of relief, which she said just washed over her. We're talking to Judd Winnick, OG for sure. So much to talk about from the real world San Francisco in 1994. We're going to be right back. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, 
Or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode. Available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Okay, we're back with Getting Real, John and Beth, with our special guest, Judd Winnick from The Real World San Francisco. Judd, I want to know, how did MTV actually find you? Like, what inspired you to want to be on The Real World? Did you watch the New York season? Did you watch our season? How did it happen? No, they. Uh, I, I found them. Okay. I was one of those people, for sure. I'll tell it I'll tell as really quick as possible. I saw the, I saw the first season. My senior year of college, absolutely loved it. I thought it was fun. It helped that I was a New Yorker. So I was like, I was way in there. Me and my very good friend, Jessica Landau, who even came to visit when I was on the show, huge fans of it. So we would watch it together. And it was great. Loved it. Just, uh, um, yeah, you're just a Very quick the, uh, telling of it. Uh, a- I'm a cartoonist. I did a comic strip in college. And this is everything I want to do in my life as a, since I was a as a child, I wanted to do a syndicated comic strip that appeared in newspapers every day. I got a development deal with Universal Press Syndicate, where I was going to develop my comic strip for a year, and then they were going to try and sell it to newspapers. It was my whole life was coming together. I was 22 years old. It was mm. everything I wanted. So about Incredible. nine months into my development deal, and they decide that they felt that my comic strip was not was not to the competitive market of syndicated comics. Basically, what they're doing is they're firing it. I hadn't even finished the development. And I was out, it was done. And if you killed me, it would have been easier because this, like everything was working out. This is, you know, I went to college in my comic strip in college, just like my idols did. And now I got development deal. I'm going to get syndicated and now nothing. So I am then, I'm then watching season two, real world Los Angeles. I'm watching y'all. So it's that summer ish. And I'm still at home with my folks. I have no idea what I'm going to do next. And literally this is when they used to do this on a commercial break of y'all. It's like, Hey, do you want to be on real world three San Francisco? Send us a letter and a photo telling us why. And it's like, yeah, I want to do this because you know, I, wait, I, wait, you know, wait. <laughs> what about our show made you go? Yes. I want to do that. <laughs> Did y'all miss the part about like how self-important egotistical like I am. And like, you know, I looked at you all. It's like, I could do that. You know, I could be one of those people. That would, that would be fun. I'm that self-important. And it helped that I had just lost like this development deal and I was living at home with my parents and I was planning my next move, which was, I don't know, I was going to, I had, you know, I thought maybe I'd, I'd, you know, head out to LA, 
maybe intern in an animation studio. I didn't, I really didn't know what I was going to do. So I thought I could maybe do this, you know, you know, I, I was not an unattractive person. I knew that. And I could be a wise ass. And I knew that. Uh, and then it just started happening. Uh, you know, our process was like, it was like a six month process. You send in a letter and a photo. I made it seem all as casual as possible. Like the letter I wrote, you know, I'd like cross outs and like, like I, uh, I wrote it like four times, put it on stationary. They had like cartoon characters in the borders. So it looked like super cute. And, you know, I made the next round and then you do your own video Had my best friend film it. you do your video. Then you get interviewed uh, on the phone while someone films you. It was back in the day before we had, you know, someone had to go there with a camera. It took six months. It took six months. And what was weird was like, yeah, so what's up, man? Like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do next unless try it out for the real world and like making the next round. I didn't know what I was going to do, <laughs> you know? So, uh, so sure enough, after six months, I found out I got on the show, which wow. was insane. How'd you come up with the name Hilo? Like, like, you know, that's an obscure name. How, how did, how did Oh, that... that was just, that was just a bunch of goofiness. Like I had, I was writing a scene. I hadn't named him yet. I knew he was going to be the lead character in the series. And I had this silly scene where another, he, he's, he's, a, he's a kid from another world. He literally falls out of the sky and crashes in a, in, like, in a crater. And I had this flowery scene. I had this scene where one of the characters was like getting a little poetic about it. He said, yeah, when you first got to Earth, it was crazy. You fell out of the sky. You know, like you started up way up on high, you were brought down low. And uh, as I'm working on this like little bit of dialogue, it's like, yeah, it's a little flowery. It's a little too poetic and, you know, high and low. Ooh, what did I just say? High, high and low, high, low. Well, kind of like how it feels. Sort of liked it. So I threw out the dialogue, but I kept the name. So I think I think your name is Hilo. I think you're a Hilo. And it mostly the book mostly came about my son, who's who's a teenager now. Uh, so this is over a decade ago when he was about seven years old. I wrote superhero comics for a long time. He wanted to start reading some of my Batman comics, which at the time he was seven. It's like you no, you may not read my Batman comics. Those are those are for like older kids and grown-ups. So it's like like dead parents and people getting killed and stuff. It's a little much. So I introduced him to a different series, which was called Bone, which was by this cartoonist Jeff Smith, um, which is cute and it's funny. And my son went bananas, loved it. Now I know Jeff Smith. He's a friend of mine. I told Jeff my son went bananas for Bone, and then Jeff sent us a gigantic box full of Bone merchandise, like everything. Action figures, T-shirts, hats, oh, calendars. Gosh. My my son, my seven-year-old son, became a bone super fan. Lost his mind, and I got jealous. It's like, man, I should make a story that he likes as much as Bone because I can do this. I'm a cartoonist, and that's how it started. <laughs> out of out of a bit of a je- a bit of petty jealousy, I said, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna do one for kids. Like that, he'll like as much as this, and that's how I started doing the series. I mean, I think it's fantastic. I mean, my son has a bunch of the Hilo books. He loves Hilo. Does he? Great. He does. He's a little bit older for for, for them now, right? Yeah. I'll send him some. He's a little older now, but, but he, you know, we have a bunch of your books. So um, I didn't even realize that it was you. I really didn't know. I was like, oh my God, this is, these are Judd's books. (laughs) That's amazing. We're going to take a break and be right back with Judd Winnick. All right, we're back, Judd. Thanks for being here. So Beth has Hilo Judd Winnick books in your home. I sure do. And I, I love that you didn't know it was me at first, which is which is always fun for me because it's okay, we are we are of a certain age right now, and people around our age and younger have children, children who've not seen us on television, but you know, so they read my Hilo books. But now and again, it'll happen where a parent will finally put two and two together. It's like, oh, holy shit, this is a guy from the real world. 
you know, or way more fun. This is the most fun. So I do school visits. I get to do, I go to go do presentations at schools, you know, assemblies, man. I get to do assemblies, which is the best. Every adult human should do an assembly at some point. It's the greatest feeling in the whole world. And you uh, told kids you are, told some of the story on the Seth Meyers show, which I'm, oh yeah, no, I told on late night. I mean, yeah, you, yeah, you've no, been on Seth Meyers how many times? Just twice. How do you know um, Seth Meyers? I, like, how are you? I Seth Meyers and Mike, his showrunner Mike Shoemaker, created a show for Hulu called The Awesomes. I was developing a show for The Awesomes, uh, for The Awesomes, for Hulu as well. My show wasn't going to quite go because they wanted to do The Awesomes, and that was where all their animation money was going to go. But Seth and Mike hadn't done like a superhero action adventure show, but they were iconic. And they said, you should talk to Judd Winnick, who is developing another show for us. But we think, and crazily enough, Seth Myers and Mike Schumacher are huge comic book fans. So they read my superhero comics. So they hired me on as a writer producer. So I worked on the awesomes. So I helped them take their funny show and also, which was a, a comedy about a superhero team. So I, I gave them all of my superhero expertise and, and that's how I got to know them. Seth was still the head writer of SNL when we started doing the show. And when he got to do Late Night, which was a couple of years later, I'm doing a book like, can I come on the show and plug Hilo? It's like, yes, yes. <laughs> so I was on there when you the first awesome. book came out. I was so oh, proud when I watched. I'm like, I know that guy. He's, he's actually a friend of mine, like a real friend. Thank you. And well, you were awesome. I loved it. I actually got it recorded. I watch it and I can YouTube it. <laughs> I'm so just enamored that you were on there and you were like a superstar. You're humble about this, but I want you to tell us and tell our listeners. I mean, you're on the bestsellers list. Hilo has been uh, very, very successful. Tell us about it. it. It's well, yes. I mean, you call them one of the best selling children's books ever. And like, like, no, no, not, not, not that, but we do fine. No, I'm, I'm fit. Uh, the, the 10th book in the series comes out next year in March. Uh, yes, it's it's a New York Times bestselling series. That's amazingly huge. There's That's like there's like a million and a half in print. It's, you know, it's uh, huge. It wow. is very, it's very much a dream come true. Um, I live like a 10 year old. I make things up and then I draw them. That's my job. That's why I do it. We're here in my studio and I wish... The folks at home could see because it's loaded with toys, which these are not toys that might belong to my children, but to me. And I get I get to do this. Uh, and in a lot of ways, it's coming full circle because comic strips are kind of an all ages audience sort of thing because it plays to like, you know, just newspapers, which is supposed to be read by, you know, moms and dads and kiddos alike. And I kind of came around that I'm doing this graphic novel series, which is for moms and dads and kiddos alike. And a fun little bonus is, is that when a lot of the moms and dads were teenagers, they were watching, you know, me and Pam, Pedro and Corey and Mo and the gang on the freaking real world. And they, and that's funny for them. And it's, it's, and it's funny for me, you know, like the, the two demographics that we occupy in their household. How um, often are you doing school assemblies with children? Well, it mostly happens over around the book tour. Like, and I'll do like 30 or 40 over the course of a couple of month and change but i'm actually tomorrow wow. i'm doing i'm doing one in in marin which is gonna be a long one which is fun i'm actually it's not just one assembly i'm gonna do three so i'm gonna do i'm gonna try to get all the grades in there what um, will you do what happens at a school assembly with you oh i come with a i come with a dog and pony show i mean the very first time i did it my random house my, my small independent publisher random house they'd asked like hey do you do school visits like no but i have children and like you know you mean go to a school and talk to kids like sure 
So I put together like a, like a keynote presentation with lots of drawings, and I'll tell I'll tell some fun, goofy story. There's lots and lots of pictures, like you know, on the screen behind me, like click click click, goofy pictures. I said I tell the story. It's very performative and all that. And you know, it's a little bit about high lows, a little bit about something else, a little bit about drawing, making stuff up. It's a little bit lesson based in that way. The very first time I went to school, which was here in San Francisco, I meet the librarian and we're going in and we're talking and, you know, I'm happy to be here. Oh, we're happy to have you. And I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. And she's walking me into the cafeteria. And I said, oh, oh, what's, are we doing this in the cafeteria? She goes, yeah. I said, oh my God, am I doing an assembly? She goes, yeah. You didn't know that? It's like, no, no, I thought I was just going to a classroom. Like, no, no, you're doing, we're going to do like half the school. This is going to be like 400 kids here. It's like, oh, oh my God, that's going to be great. And just speaking to people who know, do you want to talk to 25 kids or do you want to talk to 400 kids? You want to talk to 400 kids because we're that important, right? We're that cool. Like, no, man, give me the big room. I want to do the big room, you know? So it was just that, you know, and it was, it's so much fun because again, assemblies, kids are, they're not in class for an hour. So a level of happiness. Is like a nine out of 10 anyway. And I'm talking about cartoons and stuff. And it's a blast. They laugh at everything. They love you being there. They ask the same dopey questions over and over again. And, uh, and you're walking on there and they're, and they're totally honest. Um, there's no, so you know what? No I, I, yeah. I would love it if you could come to my son's school sometime in Los Angeles. I think that'd be amazing because his school is from like toddler to eighth grade. So if you're coming to LA and you want to do some schools, we got to talk because that would be my son would totally flip out. Well, let me be the agent here. Let me be the amazing, Judd. No, I can't have Judd Winnick coming to your son's <laughs> private school for free. So we're going to negotiate a hefty honorarium for this appearance. Oh my gosh! If if, okay, if it happens, if it happens within the umbrella of the book tour, it's gratis because yeah. other things take care of that, which is bookstores and blah 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 and whatnot. If it happens outside of the calendar purview year of the book tour, those are usually paying gigs, and we can we can talk about that. I would say what's fun about the book tour actually pays for uh, it pays for schools that actually can't can't afford to have authors come in, mm-hmm. and, uh, and this isn't self graduatory. This is just. This is what makes it fun. Like a lot of times you get to go to schools where kids don't have a lot, you know, yeah. that these are like very, those very are probably the best. Those are probably the they, best going to schools they, where kids oh. don't, in underserved communities. I mean, that's it's, just gotta be such a great feeling to know that you're providing that for those it's kids. What, you know, it's wild is that, yeah, you feel better. It feels a little self-congratulatory. You feel great. They're incredibly excited. They're incredibly generous. A lot of times the difference between going to a, a, a very like a very ritzy private school or going to like a title one public school is is just purely knowing those two things because the kids are they act the same they ask the same dopey questions they laugh at the same dopey jokes there's it's it's really interesting how unifying and similar children actually are despite you know anything going on socioeconomically it was a real eye-opener for me I mean literally having those things in one day like going into going into school and going into an auditorium where they've got like some fifty thousand dollar setup for their, you know, like an actual number for their sound system, and yeah. like you know, in this incredibly expensive, it's not a slide projector, it's a, it's a motion camera that comes down from the ceiling and you plug it into this wall and whatnot. And then I go to a school which has like an old fashioned slide projector. 
they don't have the good microphone for me. So I'm going to have to kind of yell for 45 minutes and like, and it's all cool. It's all fun. And the kids, they're all the same. They like the same stuff. They ask the same questions. They're just excited for you to be there, but it is really, it is, it is a haves and haves not moment. And it's, and it's, again, it's great. It's, it is deeply, deeply fulfilling. I'm very, very, very lucky. I get to do this. I love making things up and drawing them. I love doing the series. And then, you know, well, we need, more, kid, we, kid dig it. we need more high low books and we definitely need more graphic novels. I mean, I know my kids complain about it. My daughter, she's in ninth grade, but she loves to read graphic novels. And I find for my son, there's just not enough uh, material for boys in a certain age group that they're interested in. So I love your books. Congratulations. Well, thank you. And I can't thank wait to very, see, very I, I can't wait to see what other, what other things you come up with. And Judd, I yes. want to talk to you about something super important. I want to know if Buna Murray has contacted you all to do a reunion. No, no? Um, I had heard. No, no, no. I, I'd heard rumblings. Well, okay. So New York did a reunion. They all did a reunion. So we're waiting for like, they're going to ask. And then they immediately skipped to New Orleans. Like, oh, yeah, that's, that's interesting. And then we actually, I had heard, I'd heard from a friend who used to work work in production doesn't work there anymore who heard from someone who works at paramount like oh they're, they're thinking about it. they're gonna be reaching out to you and it's like okay and then we never heard anything i, can't I don't oh it'll, it'll never happen <laughs> you don't think that you guys would get together and do a reunion i don't i don't think i don't think it'll happen for i mean for one i i are they gonna do more reunions i don't know anything i mean this is, this is all how the sausage is made sort of stuff i think like things are pretty volatile right now at paramount plus um, you know, like, like a whole bunch of people got fired six months ago and this is in before the strike and whatnot. And there's a, there are, an overhaul of this and that. And like, I think a whole lot of shame since then. And I don't know how any of this works. That's the boring sausages made stuff. So I'm not even sure they're even doing any more reunion shows, but as far as us, let's, uh, let's the beginning, middle and end of it is that we, we lost Pedro and we're never going to have a reunion. Mm -hmm. um, it's never the thing that we had, the experience that, you know, that we lived through. It, we, we can't, we can't do a reunion in the conventional sense. You can't just put us up in a house for a couple of weeks and like, and us be just normal. And I don't, you know, and ignoring the fact that, you know, a lot of it can't happen for like a lot, a lot of reasons. I, don't think I don't think Corey would ever do it in a million years. I'm not sure. You don't? I'm not. No, I don't think Corey would do it. I think I think she's more than over it. Uh, I have literally not spoken to her about this, and maybe she's like, no, I would I would do it. Maybe she might. I have no idea. I don't know if Mo would do it. I think I don't know. Rachel's on TV a lot, so maybe she wouldn't want to. I'll put it another way for for all of us like very old adults here, particularly with our season and how poorly a number of us got along and and whatnot. Uh, you know after the fact and during, I don't think there's any upside for any of us doing it mm -hmm. because uh, I mean, y'all did it and it was kind of rough, right? You know, right. And I it mean, was it was, it was, but you know, I, I definitely got a lot out of it. I had some unfinished business with some cast members mm -hmm. and we were able to work things out. So I, I walked away with, uh, with some friends, <laughs> I walked away with some friends. So there are still some things that were left on the table um, yeah. that I think would nice to be revisit possibly. But yeah, I mean, we did revert back to some of those arguments. It definitely, was rough. For sure. Well, that, yeah. Judd said it, it was, was rough. Well, and that's, rough. 
It was that, rough. That's what they, yeah, no, no. And that's what they wanted. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, okay, they, this, this is, this is your lives, but this is their television show. Right. Yeah. And they want it to be interesting. And the chances yeah. that it could be interesting with folks our age, just hanging out and talking about the things that folks our age would just talk about when we're not having some sort of, when we're not fighting, fighting is interesting. Controversy is interesting. Like what sort of a motive experience could be going on here that people could talk to one another that would be interesting for, I don't know who, I mean, I guess the, the people who watch this in the first place. So what they kind of want, I mean, what they really want is for it to be a kind of a shit show. The shit show is the one that's going to get people to tune in. Not that like, no, they kind of hung out. It yeah. was sort of sweet. Right. I mean, what what the hell do people our age talk about? So what are we going to talk about? Like colonoscopies <laughs> and spanks and SAT prep courses and, you know. Menopause. Menopause. Oh, yeah, you know, and this mole removed. I mean, what the hell <laughs> are we going to be talking about? You okay, know? Judd, you know what? I'm going to put you on the casting couch right now. You have uh, all the power. You have all the power. You've got the contracts. I want you to pick seven or eight people from the real world, some OG people. If you could mash people together from different seasons, who would you choose? Would you throw yourself in there? Oh my goodness. Okay, so like two, okay. <laughs> two schools of thought here. Two schools of thought. If I'm like making a television show as a producer, that's a whole different thing. And we're not, I'm not going to do the fantasy football one because as a producer, just as we talked about, I would, you know, you pick the seven most blood spitting monsters you could imagine and like all the alphas you could That's possibly imagine. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I mean, like, like not even, and don't do the challenge. Don't do, don't give them anything to do. Put them in a house and just make it blood sport. That's, and you get butts in the seats of people watching. That's one thing. I'm not going to do that one. The, uh, the fun one, and we're gonna take we're gonna take the idea of uh, uh, pure fantasy that we get to have Pedro back and live with him again for a couple of weeks, because uh, I think everybody in the world who's lost somebody fantasizes about the idea of like, could I just get a day? Can I just get one day where we get to catch up and show them everything? Yeah. Um, and uh, and that it's it's something we always come back to is like you know he we lost him when he was twenty two. So he's forever stuck in amber and we've done all this living since then. And we want to show him and like, and like just, you know, all that's happened. Anyway, taking that piece out of it and having like a little bit of fun. You are talking about like me being on the show. So, so we got me and Pam. Pam probably won't do it, but she'll come visit. So at least okay. we get her to come visit a bunch. Definitely have y'all. I want you two there because I, I would like hanging out with you two. And by the way, I'm doing this just for me at this point. Since I'm doing it. Like, I don't care if people watch. I am doing this to have a decent hang. So okay. it would be definitely, so the four of us, I'd ask Corey and Mo, they probably wouldn't want to do it. Again, probably come for a visit, come for brunch. So I don't know if they'd be cast members. Uh, definitely Norm, because everybody loves Norm. <laughs> We're talking okay. to Norm in 30 minutes. Norman from the yeah, New York great. real world, yeah. If Norm doesn't talk about it, please ask him about when Norm basically operated a halfway house for former real worlders after they left the show. So I was he was. Did you live there? Did you live in the big house? I didn't live there, but I hung out every day with everybody. There we go. I can't believe I didn't stay there when I came up for like a weekend. I had something to do and I stayed there for a weekend. Corey lived there Mm -hmm. for a while. She'd taken a leave from school because school was shit. And Corey lived there for a while. So Norm's the best. We all love Norm. Get Norm in there. I'd like Julie to be there. Julie is someone I've never got to spend any quality time with. Julie from the original New York or Julie? Julie. Julie from New York. Julie from New York. Uh, I'll probably Kim Powell because I know Kevin a little bit. 
spend a little quality time with Kevin and have like kind of kind of kind of a good time. Like, you know, like I think Kevin Kevin is do a good time. He he is do a good time on reality. This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. Like, like, you know, the first time through, so much going on. And then, then the reunion. Oh my gosh. Kevin's really do. He's gotta have a good time. <laughs> no, as I'm saying, like, Kevin, we we can we can talk stuff, or we can like, do you want to just like hang? And he'd probably go like, yes, let's have a hang. Let's I've just, never let's seen just chill him a bit. Just chill on television. It's and you know what? He never can do that. No, he can do that. But we got to give him an opportunity to do that. And uh, who else? I probably uh, Joe Rhodes from our season. I think Joe oh. should have a little more time on because you know, again, not like Beth A coming in, coming in late. Um, mm-hmm. I think Joe should have a little time on the show. If she wants oh. to just come visit and have like a brunch or two, she can do that. I'm letting people control their own narrative a little bit too. Um, and uh, I would love actually thinking about this. I think it'd be fun if um, if Pam got to hang with young women who came after her. This comes up. Okay, so Pam was on, on our show in 1994. She was one of the very first few Asian American people on TV just in this way. We, for the last 30 years, uh, young and old people have come up to her to say like, you were the first Asian girl I saw on television who I felt was cool. And also I could tell my parents like, see, I can go to medical school and still be cool. Um, and honestly, before Pam, swear to God, people have to say like, I think it was like Connie Chung and then maybe Margaret Cho's show. And that's about it. So I would love Pam to actually sit down so she can talk to Janet Choi and she can talk to Jamie Chung about, and I mostly want them to fawn over Pam because it'll probably happen. It's, you know, it invariably happens. Younger people who, you know, get to fawn over Pam and, and tell her, you know, and Pam, I'm going to brag on her. So Pam, Pam, Pam's the shit, you know, Pam had, you know, she came in as a medical student and um, is a physician of note. She is a, she's a doctor of internal medicine, a full professor at UCSF, University of California, San Francisco. She's a Director for the Center of Tobacco Studies and Education at UCF. She's a director. She's a boss. She's that's boss. what I want to talk to her about when she comes on. We got to talk about that. That's about, that's about tobacco stuff. and e-cigarettes and vaping. Yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> You've got to talk about that. Yes. I mean, that's been incredibly interesting. And for those playing at home, Pam is Pam basically fights big tobacco. And also back in the day, we were in a mall and there was a kiosk that was selling e-cigarettes. And she walked up and like, what is this? <laughs> it's like, this is a cigarette that's an e-cigarette and it burns up an oil. They're like, uh-huh. So there's no tobacco yes. in it? It's like, uh-huh. It's like, and this is safe. Oh no, it's 100% safe. And Pam's thinking like, yeah, I don't think it is. <laughs> and she was one of the people like early on asking questions about e-cigarettes, which become Juul, which would be anyway. So uh, she is, she is brilliant. She is beautiful. She looks the same um, after 30 years. She has not, people tell her, it's not just me saying this. People meet her and they go, you look exactly the same. And they look to me and you are, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm Judd. I was on the show too. Oh, I know you look, look like, the same. I, no, no. I look like I've slept outside for the last 30 years. No, <laughs> I, you know, no, 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 no. I look okay. I look okay. Judd, <laughs> okay. I'm just going to be honest. Same. You're super attractive. Okay. <laughs> Wow. You are. You're super attractive. I'm going to say it. I mean, if I see someone that's attractive, I'm just telling you you're super attractive. So She's right. She's right, Jen. You are. You well, are. I'm, you are well, exceptionally gorgeous. So I'll do, do hush and you thank you, you very do, much. Well, you I, I, no, okay. I, John, I'm with you. I, I kind of want to stop her, but yeah, I definitely Yeah, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> Go on. Okay, so, I now, mean, so we've got it's, that. It's rare that I get these kind of compliments outside of like like gay men around our age. 
you know, <laughs> they're still very generous with the compliments. Okay. <laughs> Women around our age are usually the divorced ladies that, that I'll meet when I'm doing presentations at school. And, you know, and that's always kind of fun, a little uncomfortable, always kind of nice. A little handsy, but it's okay. It's fine. A little handsy. Uh, funny. A <laughs> little bit, a little bit here and there. Taking a picture oh like, God. oh, got a hand on the low waist there. That's okay. Using the whole <laughs> no, no, John, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Friend, I you do. know what I'm talking about. Yeah, <laughs> happens to me. Oh, but. my gosh. Okay, so we've got the cast. You picked out yeah. your cast. Now we've got to think about some music, right? So, I, so my question for you, well, first of all, are you more like rock and roll or alternative music or country? Um, are you into country? What's your, what's I, your jam? I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend that. So no, not, not a country fan in the sense that I, all right. And John knows the language I'm speaking to. I will, I will engage in the crossover acts. Like I've been listening, I've been listening to Lyle Lovett for a very, very long time. Okay. Um, who, as we know, like country, but, and uh, you know, been listening to Willie Nelson for as long as I can possibly remember. Not, not hardcore country. I first time I was listening to Dixie Chicks is when they made made the leap to to more mainstream pop. So anyway, but I'm more of a rock guy. A rock guy. Who's funny. your number one? Who's your number one? Oh number no, it's, one, I can't do. I, I can't do that. No, I need to give you a laundry list. You need to back it up even further. That when I did, when we did the show, when we did the Real World was for me was like it was just sort of the apex of 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 when i was happiest in my musical life because i lived through the metal hair bands of the 80s and 90s which were the most popular music of the time and then grunge came and rock came back and saved me so nirvana and pearl jam and stone temple pilots and Soundgarden, and then like a little bit laser weezer weezer these are all bands i am still listening to you know like saved me but i was like I was in art school, so it's like, you know, Elvis Costello and they might be giants and REM and I'm one of those assholes. So like, I was listening to REM before Michael Stipe was getting up on the mic. I bought Murmur before any of you were like listening to shiny, happy people. I'm, you know, you know, and, and I say all that to say this, that the, the real world soundtrack was bizarrely just exactly you know, it is the music that has like stayed with me. Like, you know, I'm, I'm still listening to Smashing Pumpkins and, you know, uh, having the kids like, you know, you know, they're getting into like today, you know, the song today, which is like, you know, I tell them, like, yeah, no, they use this in the show. They use this in the show. It's like in the first episode, it's like this, this big kind of crane shot where they're going over like the Golden Gate Bridge, <laughs> you know, and they, they started playing today. And I remember watching it the first time, like, oh, they're playing pumpkins. It's so great. They're playing pumpkins. That's so cool. Okay, so, yeah, so Nirvana, um, Nirvana, or or the Foo Fighters? Oh, it's man, that's I uh, can't do that. This is this is that's apples and mashed potatoes. I that's can do I can do anything I want. It's it's our podcast, so I'm asking <laughs> well, you, Nirvana or Foo Fighters? You, you see this passive aggressiveness I had to live with on television twice. Well, I would say I can't choose because oh, one man. gave birth to the other. No, no, but I have every Foo Fighters album, and okay. I I mean I, I love them so much. I think. Man, I have lot. I mean, I got, I'm I'm a music nerd. I'm not. I can't make music. I can carry a tune a little bit. Pam sings actually. Pam sings, plays keyboards and piano. She's amazing many many times over. But I love music. It's the thing I can't do that I love so much. I have watched the Foo Fighters uh, documentary back to front. I don't know how many times. I've watched their their TV show they did on HBO, which I think I have to buy now because HBO stopped running it. 
what, was, <gasps> what the hell was that one called? The Highway Show? I forget what it was. Where they, they did an entire album. I don't need to talk about it. Anyway, love the Foo Fighters. I love watching documentaries on them. John, have you seen the Eagles documentary? Yes, have you seen the Eagles documentary? The three-hour documentary? I, ha- I haven't, but I'm excited because I want to go see the Eagles and Steely Dan. Oh, I'm, I'm, I might just throw my headphones down and walk out. You've not seen the Eagles documentary? <laughs> oh, I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. I, 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 I probably have seen it more five or, more than five or six times. It's like, it's like wow. a history of music right there. And what's great about it is how mean and terrible they can be at times, too. It's awesome. They're so honest. Like, like Glenn Fry, so and Don Henley are get wonderfully terrible at times. I love Don talk- Henley. I love Don oh, Henley. You I'm obsessed who, with Don you know Henley. Who's part of the Eagles now is Vince Gill. When yeah, they, I know. They, they like Vince Gill. Yeah. Really? Well. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Well, we lost, we lost Glenn Fry and yeah. someone's, you know, it's a carry that's sort of, so Vince, yeah. is Vince doing the Glenn Fry song? I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. He's not doing all of the singing, but he's doing some of it, and he's phenomenal. I mean, the Eagles live tour would be great now and then. I can't wait. I cannot wait. Okay. I assume he pops in there with the harmonies, which are just, and John and I, I'm sure we can do 40 minutes on this easy. I'm sure. Uh, like, again, not I'm not a music guy, but I'm a music guy. What's, um, your, fav- and- what's your favorite Eagles song? <laughs> oh, well, let's see. You know, you, you want to say Hotel California, you want to say Desperado. Yeah. Part you know, and pardon me. Every time, every time Long Run comes on, I'm huh? like, it, like that that opening kick to Long Run. And also, I laugh because the story behind the song, the Long Run, they worked on it so they did so many takes. They started referring to it as the Long One. God, I keep going. I'm like trying to think of a deep cut. That's like being it's elusive here. When we get off, I go like, oh, you know, it's it's, it's I should have done like New Guy in Town. Um, you know, as a, or whatever. Like it's 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 too hard. I mean, I also came up. We came up. The birth of of classic rock radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you know, went from like hair metal and all. What was on the flip side was classic rock, which made the Eagles. Uh, you know what they were. You should watch the documentary because Eagles talk about that. They said like we went away and then we never went away because we stopped recording and then suddenly we're on the radio every minute of every day. And do yeah. you guys need to go talk to Norm now, by the way? Are we We're going to put him off a little bit. He's waited for 31 years. We, we, okay. <laughs> I want to ask you, I want to ask you about, a, I want to ask you for a few more. Uh, sure. the, the Beatles or the Stones? Apples and oranges, but it'll have to be the Beatles. And there's a 40 minute conversation, which is like, you can't compare this. They're just British and came out at the same time. They're two different animals. The Rolling Stones are, like have been around since Jesus was a baby. And after Jesus has another baby, they're still going to be around. They've never, they're never going to leave us. You're right, but most people say that you either really love the Beatles or you really love the Stones. Mm. There's not really a lot of no. people that really love them both. Because I mean, I, I mean, I like a few of the Rolling Stones songs, but I'm I'm totally way more Beatles than I am the Rolling Stones. The Beatles are part of my blood. The Beatles are part of my. I woke up this morning and the new single came out. Oh, I, I haven't heard it yet. I cannot wait when I'm when I'm through with the podcast. When we're done, listen, Go to, listen it. to it. Spend oh my gosh nine seconds listening oh, to the new Beatles song i listened to it and made sure my best friend barry ween like barry had dropped he'd listen to it and then we, we texted back and forth for 25 minutes about it oh um, my where's gosh. the stones like stones like man you know I, I can listen to monkey man and get the groove on it's just like the best you know it's a, two different animals different animals yeah okay uh, morrissey or peter gabriel oh geez well that it's kind of easy peter gabriel peter gabriel's one to listen to more morrissey I had a deep loving appreciation for when I was like, you know, long haired artist kid. Um, 
And it's hard because because Morrissey, I'm gonna put it out. Morrissey's kind of a dick now. It's really, really, it's really, really hard when people that you like you like artistically wind up being dicks. And like he's like like Isn't just shut up. Isn't that the worst? When you meet somebody that you you really idolize and then you get to meet them and you're like, oh man, that is just a buzz kill. Uh, like I I've met a lot of my heroes and it's worked out, but oh, I was getting a little man. nervous. But yeah. you know, but then and your heroes getting like do stuff like you know, like, <sighs> Eric Clapton, all you had to do is be quiet and oh, eventually pass away. And like, and here I you were, man. You anti-vaxxing nut okay. job just okay. up. Let me let me tell you something. My friend asked me because I used to love Eric Clapton. She's like, I'm going to Eric Clapton. You want to go? And I'm like, you know what? I really loved him. And now I just can't. I can't. I can't. I'm not interested. It's it hurts. It hurts. It hurts. It like, hurts. Just, it hurts. Just it shut hurts. up. Like I can I can almost forgive Van Morrison because he's like a little, he's like he's three parts crazy anyway. He always was. And it's like, yeah, you know, I guess I live Nashville weeks and I'm OK with Clapton. I hear it like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, it's like yeah, like I, yeah. Uh, anyway, okay, I can do I can do another hour griping about Clapton. Okay, you two or REM? Oh, don't do that. Do not do that. Do not do that. I'm no, doing. You have to. No, go outside, take a lap around the house. We're not doing that. That's not <laughs> one no, of them. That's like choosing, no, no, no. Sorry, no. That's like <laughs> it's like this. I, I give an honest answer to to children. Kids often ask me like, "What's your favorite character?" And I say that I do like like in the Hilo series. Like, I don't have a favorite character. I love them all differently, like my own children. Yeah. Like, like I don't love my children equally. I love them differently because they're different people. Mm, good answer. And like an REM and you two represent two different things, man. And I will also like battle people into the ground to defend these bands. There's there's like a weird vibe out there now that we shit on you two. I don't get. I don't understand. REM no, doesn't have that because REM stopped recording. No, oh, come on, the greatest. I mean, Raiders. I love, I love no, I you too. Cheer. I want to go, I want to go see them in the sphere in Vegas. I seen the footage of that. And it's like, this is could die a happy person after experiencing this insanity. Like, you know, who thought we could like live inside of a magic box and go like, I just, it's bizarre. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. Okay. One more. Just, well, I'll yes. just stop at one more. The Beastie Boys or Run DMC. Oh, well, well, Beastie Boys. Beastie and, Boys. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, no, it's like, there's, there's just. There's just too much going on for me there with the Beastie Boys. You know, again, like takes me back, takes me back, like listening to Sabotage while I'm in the real world house <laughs> and then talking about it with Billy Rainey, literally saying like, when they say the Watergate line, is it anything beyond like, no, I think they just kind of made it up. Like, you know, like this Watergate, like this, 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 this crime, this, this faux thing you're doing like, yeah, there's yeah. something philosophizing. So accurate and 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 beautiful about the word sabotage and the real world house. It just, they just go <laughs> together. We've been talking yeah. to Dominic, OG, true, authentic reality star. You take uh, whatever inference from that you want. You can find him on Instagram and Twitter at Judd Winnick, J U D D W I N I C K. You've been awesome, and this time just frankly hasn't been sufficient. We can go years without talking to you, and then pick up like you are the same. Right dude. where we left off. Well, I'm just hoping, love you, dude. You know what? And I'm making the promise. I love you both very much. This was a lot. This was a lot. Fun. I thought this would be fun. It was even more fun than I thought it was. I'm hoping to get. I I don't want to tease it. At some point, we're going to do this again with Pam. Yes, that'll be great. I can't wait. Well, she she she's. Let me say this. This is important, and I'll link you to one more minute. And, and Pam sort of reminded me of this fact. Pam and I don't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And what I mean is 
we, <laughs> I'm sorry to laugh because it's funny. So years ago, we did the E! True Hollywood story yeah. of the real world, mm -hmm. where we went to like, a, it was like they filmed at a local bookstore and we were crammed in. There was deep and comfortable. We're answering the same effing questions we always answer. And we're driving back from having done the interviews both separately and together. And kind of like, and like we're both thinking the same thing. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, yeah, this has been like every single year a new show comes out. And we do press and we were talking about it. And it's like, I don't want to do it anymore. And like, we made a rule that if we're talking about Pedro, if we're talking about Pedro specifically, then we'll go and we'll talk about the show and we'll do it. But if it's just some random podcasty thing and we're doing it, no, we're not going to do it. And then you guys asked me, it's like, <laughs> oh, we're going well, to do this for sure. Yeah. This is the first. So this is the first time. Yeah. This is the E! True Hollywood story that <laughs> I've come to talk about the show. No, and I think on. it only it was only because I'm talking to y'all about it. We love you, Joe. Uh, well, thank you so much. Could do another hour. Do another that hour. means a lot. We will. We'll just do it with, with your wife, Pam, who's also amazing. And we can't wait to have conversation with her. Thank you, Judd Winnick. We're going to talk to you again soon. And until next time, keep it real. You've been listening to Getting Real with John and Beth on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Executive produced by Christian Swain and Peter Firioli. Edited by Michael DeVestia. Produced by Lindley Ehrlich. Hosted by Bess Delarchek and John Brennan. Be sure to follow us on social media on Instagram and TikTok. You can follow Beth at Best Real World and follow John at johnbrennan.com. Also, follow the podcast on Instagram at Getting Real with John and Beth. Until next time, keep it real. Beth! It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.